Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next big trade. I'm your host, Harry Malandri from MIT Partners. On this program, I'll talk to some of the world's foremost traders about current trends in markets and what they believe is a smart bet. We'll hear about their career journeys and, of course, find out what they're targeting as their next big trade. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the next big trade. Thanks for joining us. This week, I'm talking to Ross Gerber. Uh, Ross is the co-founder, president and CEO of Gerber Kawasaki Wealth and Investment Management. Uh, Gerber oversees $2.2 billion of investment focused on clean tech, clean energy, transportation, consumer discretionary, and technology. And Gerber Kawasaki's mission is to provide clients with customized objective financial advice. Um, Ross is a keen musician and in his free time, well, used to perform with his band. Ross, what's your band called again? The Danger Band. The Danger Band. But I think at this point, it's just the Ross Gerber <laughs> Band because of COVID. But. Well, yeah, COVID has been a dampener in all sorts of activities. It, it's true. So, yeah, especially you know, It's music. a pleasure to meet you, Ross. Uh, give us some more background on yourself. You can't rely on my canned uh, history of you. Well, I, that was a decent history. I mean, if you want to go back to the 70s, we could do that. But, uh, but no, I've been an investment advisor now I'm almost on 29 years in the business. So I started right out of college. I went to the University of Pennsylvania, uh, grew up here in Los Angeles. And, you know, when I was a kid, I started investing because of my my family. So my grandfather was retired and my my father is still working very hard. And I was always curious why gram, grandpa had so much more time. And he taught me about this thing called dividend stocks. And when I was a kid, I was fascinated with this concept that you could just make money by owning parts of companies and it was a lot more fun looking than my, you know, my dad's a dentist. So I had no desire to do that when I grew up. So investing seemed like a good option. And, and then I was a musician as well. And, and economically, obviously being a musician is really tough and I'm a blues musician. So that makes it even harder when you think about trying to make a living. So investing kind of just was a natural outlet for me. And then I just happened to be good at it, which, you know, I didn't choose that, but I was, I started making money doing this in the eighties. Um, and then when I graduated from college in the nineties, I worked at a few record labels and I was looking at things like Napster, just changing the world. And, and, uh, the PC was and the internet on AOL was all new. And I said, boy, I should really be in the investment business, not the music business. And the music business looked like about to die, which turned out to be true. And I began my career in 94 and I worked as an independent advisor or there weren't even advisors then, an independent broker through a company called Sun America Securities, which focused on retirement planning and uh, which was acquired by AIG. And so I was lucky enough to start in the 90s. So I saw one of the greatest bull markets of all time. And then I proceeded to continue my career through one of, it was the most difficult period of time from 2000 to 2010. So we, I've done the financial crisis. I did .com, um, 9-11, so I've been through the worst bear markets in modern history and, and also the best bull markets in modern history. And, 
And now we have Gerber Kawasaki. We started with 30 million in assets uh, 11 years ago, uh, post-financial crisis, and we've built it to the firm we have today with now 46 employees, uh, 28 investment professionals like myself, and over 2.2 billion in assets. We have our ETF, GK, on the New York Stock Exchange, and we just started a tax and accounting business. We have a crypto business. We have an insurance, life insurance business, and we also serve international clients globally through Von Tobel Securities. So our company's grown quite big, and most importantly, my favorite thing is I'm the chief investment officer as well, and I'm a stock trader, stock picker, one of the last of a generation of people who try to pick stocks, and I say try because nobody thinks we can do this and beat the markets, but but we have, and so um, so that's where where I'm at. I'm on your show now. <laughs> yeah, it was it was all it was I got this it far. was all I going got, so well, and then you turned up on this show. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Then I turned up here on so, Real Vision. Um, tell us about your next big trade. What what is what is the investment thesis? What's the opportunity? So when I think about my career, I think about it in decades. So each decade that I've been an investor has had different thematic, uh, I would say, booms. Um, and, and being on these waves is the key to making money. So one of the keys to my career early on was identifying Apple as, an, as one of these massive winners over time. And in 2003, really, we got really into Apple again when Steve Jobs came back and they invented the iPod Nano. At the time, I thought that was revolutionary. Um, so when you look at, we still own Apple today. It's probably my third or fourth largest position. And, and it's still a great investment today that I would recommend. It's really helped propel my career to where it is today. So you, when you look at my next big trade um, is Tesla. And, and it started for us eight years ago when we first saw the Model S and we started investing in electric vehicles because we really just saw it as a great alternative to gas cars and we needed solutions for climate. So the theme that we're most focused on and is most impactful for society and for investors over the next decade that we're heavily invested in now is climate change. And that's really our focus is our main theme moving forward besides technology, which has always been our other main theme um, in, in our investment thesis and Tesla being the king of the climate change, you know, uh, impactful companies that an investor can invest in and think about over the next decade, what they will hopefully accomplish will, will be monumental and probably even be bigger than what Apple has accomplished in the last two decades. Now, we were chatting just off the show earlier, and I told you I had a small short in this. My short's tiny. Right. Um, I've had a short regularly in this thing, and I every time I do it, I lose money. Every time. You should cover tomorrow, by the way. Uh, I, I should probably have covered today, but it's it's not huge, and I do it just because, I don't know, I like to beat myself give around the Give the money head. to charity. Yeah, you know, give, that, give the money to that would be more efficient in so many ways. But I wanted to tell you a brief story. Uh, back in 2012, a friend of mine, a guy called Rich Bircham, fantastic guy, really nice uh, guy, trader, which is unusual, right? Good, nice trader, huh. oxymoron. Um, <laughs> but this guy, he came to me, we were in the, in docks in New York. We met there and it's got, it's got cheap oysters. I'm a cheap guy. It's $1 oysters, happy hour. We meet and he told me about this stock he'd seen. And what he said to me was, this stock has the most unbelievably bullish pattern. This guy worked at Tudor for a lot, so he's a very technical guy. And he said, I've never seen a pattern like this. This pattern, this thing is going to the moon. I said, what does it do? He said, it's an electric vehicle company. I said, electric vehicle, that's an absurd idea. What are you talking about? 
So I had a look at what I would have made if I'd bought it, like 10 grand when he recommended it in 2012 to me. Right. Um, he lives in Florida now with a young Brazilian lady. I suspect he did buy it because he doesn't seem to be working for a living. But um, apparently I would have made 17,079.26% if I'd bought it then. Right. Which is an annualized return of 70%. Right. So I'm an idiot. I'm an absolute idiot. I did. So why is this thing still going to go up? How the hell can it keep going up? From this? The market cap is $1 trillion. Why, why do you still like it? Well, I think they're just getting started. So, you know, Tesla and Elon's vision is much bigger than I think most mere mortals can understand. And I think he's going to try to explain that to people soon with his part three of his master plan. But one of the things I learned about Elon early on working with Tesla and learning about Elon was like most of what I think he's going to do is actually 20% of what he's really thinking he's going to do. So even with my viewpoint, and it's pretty optimistic about what Tesla can accomplish, I'm only scratching on the surface of what Elon's thinking. And that's how big of a thinker he is. So, so what Tesla has accomplished in the last 10 years, let's say, was really building the model. You know, it's really about the factory that builds the factory. So, so they figured out how to build gigafactories. And it took them, Fremont is kind of a mess. China worked out real well. Berlin and Austin are incredible factories, which are about to open. I'm really excited to be going out on April 7th for the opening in Austin. And that's why you want to cover your short, my friend, um, because this is one of the most impactful factory openings in the history of America. M very similar in my mind to the Model T factory back in 19, I don't know, 15 or whenever Ford started um, mass production. This is really about scaling mass production of electric vehicles and doing it successfully, which no other company has done. And and I think we're going to see about two or three more gigafactories announced in the next probably year um, in different continents around the world as they accelerate their production. But, but this is the beginning of a massive shift from a 110-year carbon oil-based transportation economy to an electric-based transportation economy. And it will take the next probably 25 years to complete or more. Um, and that's why I say it's the next big trade because this is just the beginning. So when Apple had its first big spurt, it was the same thing, Apple computers. And, and everybody was probably like, well, how far can they go? They've made all these computers that are successful. And this was before anybody had an inkling that an iPhone or an iPad could be invented. And I think that's what is going to happen with Tesla. And they've already talked about automation with the robot. And everybody kind of laughs as this robot dances around. But what he really did was introduce the next big thing is if we can automate driving, we can automate a lot of other machines as well. You know, ironically, I was just on the UCLA campus and and there was like a drone delivering a package. I haven't seen this yet on the street. And it like drove right by me. And I'm like, who's driving this thing, you know? And it's delivering something to somebody on campus. And so when you think about robotics in the future, and Tesla's position in this, I don't think most people have like even thought or scaled in what Tesla's real, real potential is globally. So the competitive advantage you see is in the coding. You think they can? They, they have an edge in coding, which will allow them to conquer other business areas unrelated to transportation. 
it's not as much coding as the neural net. So like, it's all about data. It reminds me very much of Google. So when Google started, it was like, we're gonna map the internet. We're gonna like have every page of the internet. And people at Stanford were like, you guys are crazy. It was like, Sergey was like, this was his project. Like, we're gonna map every page on the internet. And they're like, this is impossible, you know? And they built the web crawler that was able to do that and still does this successfully today. And, and so when you think about the massive scale of, I wanna, like figure out how to drive on every street in the world and like know the nuances of driving on every street in the world. This is a massive undertaking, kind of like Google Earth, but alive. And so owning this massive AI data complex of roads and experiences that we can all share through this neural net and experience through full self-driving is not a repeatable thing from any other company. And what risks do you see in this trade? Because there's, I, I can think of some risks. I can think of things. I can, can think of them too. Right. So what, what, what would concern you about the trade? What could go wrong? Well, obviously the biggest thing that could go wrong is if something happened to Elon. You know, I mean, we're human beings and I lived through the Steve Jobs era and everybody laughs at me when I say it. And I said, yeah, if you would have told me Steve Jobs was going to die, I would have laughed at you too. But he did. And so you know, Elon lives a certain lifestyle. We're the same age. I'm much healthier than him. Our lifestyles are different in that sense. And, and you know, he flies around on private plane all the time. It's a little bit dangerous, you know, and and there's just randomness of life. And now he's, you know, threatening Chesnian warlords, you know, which, you know, it's kind of a joke on Twitter, but in real life, these are terrorists, you know? So, you know, that's a, a legitimate risk. You know, secondly, I think they have execution risk because of a lack of depth of management. And this is an issue that I've been dealing with with Tesla for years now, which is Elon has a very hard time working with other strong managers. And so they've never built, they need a Tim Cook. They don't have a Tim Cook. And they have a great team, the team that works there, but it's not deep enough. And so I, I think that's execution risk. Like, you know, is the management team deep enough to grow to the scale that they want to grow to because Elon's one person and he's got four companies or more. So that's a second risk that I'm very concerned about. And then third is obviously the factors we can't, you know, calculate. Like, you know, if a war broke out between China and Taiwan, how would that affect affect China's factory with Tesla, which is a crucial part of the battery and manufacturing infrastructure. You know, these are more outlier risks, but legitimate ones. Um, we rely 100% on China for battery supply chain. So if we have some issue with China, I mean, this could be detrimental to EVs and we're working on solutions, but there are none at this time. So I would say that's another big risk. So that, that does concern me a lot. I mean, I my colleagues at MIT have written about uh, the political problems we're seeing with China. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Um, is there a, a tech? Is there a patent that Tesla? I should know more about this. Forgive me for being so damn ignorant, but it's not the first time I've been ignorant about stuff. Uh, Tesla have uh, a patent advantage in battery tech. Um, if can they take it out of China? So Tesla's advantage is really in the cell development 
part of battery tech. And that's really the biggest innovation that they've uh, achieved recently that also puts them well ahead of their competition and deepens the moat is the new 4680 cells, which are seven times greater capacity, but also by using iron, you know, cathodes, you take nickel out of the process, which is becoming a very expensive metal. And, oh, yeah. and so the way that they're building cells and batteries now, which just started, is the most advanced battery technology ever, ever in history. And so that alone is a huge mode for Tesla, just the, the new battery cell technology that they develop. Um, the second mode, which I think, it, you know, a lot of people maybe don't, consider as much as the supercharger system. You know, it's great to have an EV, but if you use EVgo or if you use Blink Charging or all these other companies, it's janky. So it's not a really easy experience for EV users who don't have Teslas. But if you have a Tesla, charging is the easiest thing in the world. And so, you know, many of the companies now are realizing they have to have more dedicated services for their people because charging is a part of the equation. The experience you have with the car has to be positive. If you go to a charging thing and it's a big headache, you know, it's like, who wants to do that? So the supercharging network that Tesla's built is hugely valuable to them and their customers. And, and it makes owning a Tesla an advantage over other EVs. So, so that's not as much a technology as much as an infrastructure advantage. So Let's talk just in terms of the trade, not in terms of the technology or the company itself. Right. Um, what's the upside to this and what's the risk to it? What, what's my risk reward? So with stocks, you have unlimited upside and you have limited downside. You can only go to zero. And um, with stocks like Apple, in my experience, as long as the company continues to execute and grow profits over time and reinvest those profits and growth smart investments, the stock can go on for the next 20 years, go higher. So when I talk about price targets or where I see the stock, you know, it's, there's a sort of esoteric ideology. So what we really look at is, okay, what, what are earnings going to be on the short term? A lot of people extrapolate out, you know, earnings in 2030, but I, you know, I don't know what 2030 is even going to look like. So, um, so when you say like this year, I think they'll do $13 in earnings and that could be $20 the following year. And then you say, I'm growing at anywhere from 50 to 100% a year in you know production. And then I've got all these really, really you know advantageous things. Right now we expect Tesla to double, go to $2,000 a share, hopefully in the next 18 months as they ramp production in both factories and get the Cybertruck out on the road. So this is probably the most consequential 12 to 18 months for Tesla in their entire history. And that's why there's a lot of upside right now in the stock because they have to ramp two factories that will more than double production and they're launching trucks in early 23. And this is gonna be massive in 23 for them. So if you're an investor thinking out what's the end of 23 gonna look like for Tesla, boy, it looks good. So, so I, you know, I think it's, I think you can double your money in, in the next 18 months, which in a big cap stock like Tesla is actually a very good return. You know, th this is a, so I'm a bond guy, right? And all of this stuff is counterintuitive and I, I shake my head and I feel every one of my 55 years, believe me, when I look at this stuff and I'm looking at the, the Tesla page on Bloomberg, the DES page, and it's got a P of 206. Now 206 is high without being 
shock. Well, you, shock you're looking at past PE. Absolutely. We, we use current year. Current year PE is more like 75. Uh, the, the consensus earnings, they've got 95. But you, 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 you know, the consensus earnings is wrong. Uh, they've always been wrong. Yeah, they've got 10, 10.55 for it. Um, yeah, so they're wrong. It's $13. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, all of that I can believe. The problem I have is when I put that together with a $1 trillion cap. Because all of that makes sense when you're small, but as you get bigger and bigger, mm. you start to like you, you start to need other planets, don't you? The, 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 right. the cumulative growth. Um, I know that Elon Musk is a big fan of Ian Banks, and I used I love Ian Banks too. But you really do start to need other planets as you as you if you continue to grow at the same rate. So you're going to have to project a lower growth rate at some point as a company gets bigger. And there are implications of that growth as well. I mean, it's not, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. You have to creatively destroy the existing auto industry. That's what's happening. And that, that I agree. It's definitely happening, but they've got political muscle too. And there's going to be a fight. People, That's all they've got. That's all they've well, got. absolutely. But they're going to fight. And for, so some of these competitive advantages are going to get attacked uh, as anti-competitive. Right. Uh, oh, I agree with that thought process. And the, the charging station network, for sure. People yeah. are going to go. But that's that. why Tesla immediately said that they would open it up. You know, Elon's smart. Right. He offered the other car companies to use our standard, you know, and they chose not to. That was smart. That was definitely a smart move on his part. But I think he's taken the, the role of I'm not trying to make this an exclusive charging network because I want EVs to win period. And even though Tesla owners don't love this idea because it's already busy, you know, but you know, it's surprising. None of the companies, you know, Tesla has two charging mm -hmm. holes in the European cars because there's two standards. And it's surprising that the other EV makers didn't do that and put the Tesla charging hole and the other charging hole in other EVs. So at least you'd have the option to use the Tesla charger without an adapter, you know, um, that would have been smart. My guess is they were just underestimating it. I think your thought process of like, well, a trillion dollars is this massive number, and now we're talking about how does Tesla go to $5 trillion over the next decade, let's say. And it's hard to get our arms around these valuations because, quite frankly, it's never happened before. And, you know, and the size of scale becomes so big, it's hard to imagine, I guess, you know. But when you think about a company like Apple, in the size and scope and scale, yeah. it's become hundreds of billions in revenue, you know, and, and, you know, what do they make? 75, hundred billion a year in profit. And you go, Oh, it's worth, you know, 2 trillion. It's, if you just take three zeros away, it's the same ratios. You know what I mean? So I think there's a difference between big numbers because the companies have become massive and big numbers because they're just massively overvalued. And that's, I think, the difference is we've entered a world today where companies can scale globally because of technology rap more rapidly than ever before and then be more profitable than ever before because of technology. And that's, I think, what we've seen with the mega cap stocks that continue to go up yeah. as they continue to be even more profitable. Look at the earnings on our holdings, our top holdings in my fund, you know, like Microsoft, NVIDIA, and Tesla, and Apple are our top, and then Google. So, you know, we have to own those because A, if we don't, we'll never correlate to any index, that's for sure. But they're also just massively successful companies that continue to grow at 30%. Like, explain that to me. So I'll throw this question back to you. How is it possible 
that a $2 trillion company is growing at 30%. It's really hard to do this. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's one of the reasons I have a problem with it. And it reminds me a little bit about the environment in the US when Standard Oil was formed. Right. Like it was just so dominant. Exactly. And so, and I would argue that you're going to see political pressures to break up these big, these giant businesses. Well, I would argue as long as the politicians get paid, you will not see political pressure. (laughs) If you know how America actually works today, it's real simple to figure it out. Uh, you, you know, I'd like to argue. If you think anybody's stopping these companies, you are dead wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Our politicians are like uh, worse than a slot machine. They're kind of like those uh, vending machines. They're like a vending machine. You go in, you slip your $5 in, and you pull whatever you want out of it. That's American politics. I am so used to being the most cynical man in the room. Well done. Well done, sir. He- chapeau and all that. I'm, that's not cynical. That's reality, my friend. That is the world we live in. And if you don't see it every day in Washington right now with the way they act, come on. That's what I always say too. Look, one of the counters I would have gone with was just that Standard Oil did get broken up. It got broken up into seven sisters. All of them made a shitload of money. It didn't It didn't matter. Like AT&T. Remember AT&T? Yeah, although that was less of a happy example, right? But No, it worked out super good. If you had all the baby bells, not AT&T, AT&T's the baby dying, yeah. bells. Yeah. I, I was alive. You're my, you know, mm-hmm. we were alive yeah, then. So yeah. when I started in the business, you'd have these old ladies with the AT&T stock and then they pull out all the baby bell certificates um, and they, they didn't yeah, really good know they had like 500 grand, yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah. And I was like, you know, these all add up. It's just like, I don't know. I had them in my safe, you know? Um, so, you know, all these breakups, look at the Microsoft breakup, you know, it's like, it's silly. It, it's really silly because the government doesn't have the wherewithal to really do what's necessary to make things fair and competitive the way we would perceive it. So that said, you know, knowing that's the game, why fight against it? So given I've done such a a really crappy job of breaking your thesis, your investment thesis, I should give it, I should give, (laughs) I should give you the job of doing it. What would a thesis violation look like? When will you know you're wrong? You you mean thesis as far as around Tesla or thesis as far around climate? Uh, Well, I think the climate's definitely warming. We'll, we'll assume. Right. We'll I give think that that's, a, that's we'll, for we'll sure. That so I don't given. think I'm going to be wrong. We'll there. make that a given. Um, but the thesis is that Tesla, Tesla is a beneficiary, will continue to grow, the valuation is not a problem. So, what does a, what does a thesis violation look like? Because I can definitely be wrong. Oh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Because, you know, you see this with companies where they just start going into businesses that, like AMC bought a gold mine, you know, and I was like, what are you doing? You owe billions of dollars in debt, and now you're speculating with your cash, and you run a theater. I think it's an absolutely genius move. It's I think they call it a Hail Mary in football, right? Yeah, but buy a real gold mine. It's like not even a real gold mine. They don't even have gold. It's like a scam, dude. It's so shady. It's super shady, okay? I don't know what the why he's buying a penny stock when he could buy a real gold mine, okay? So that said... If Tesla started getting into businesses that are not beneficial to the overall theme of Tesla, then I would be concerned. And you see this diversification, they used to call them conglomerates, where you buy all these other companies and you create. So this is what I'm worried about with the whole master plan. So if 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 Elon's like, I want to merge Tesla with SpaceX and Boring Company and, and Neuralink, that isn't what I want. 
Okay. Because I think these are all standalone businesses that I should be able to choose sure. which one I want to invest in. But if you take my super profitable Tesla and then mix, it's kind of like the Google thing with the, the moonshots that always lose that that's not best for Tesla shareholders. So that's one of my concerns and would kind of change my thesis. I like SpaceX, but it's not the business I want when I'm buying Tesla stock. And, you know, I don't want really to invest in Neuralink. I, I think boring companies nice, but that's not really what I want to invest in either. And I and those should be separate companies. So so this would be a thesis changer if Tesla became a holding company for all of Elon's companies. And that would make me have to reevaluate not only the growth and profitability, but the valuation of the business as it is now. So that would be a serious thing that would change my viewpoint of Tesla, most likely not for the positive. Right. Now, the, the Elon fans all love all these businesses, and I get that from an intellectual perspective, but from a financial perspective, I don't. Yeah, it's hard with the boring company, for example. That's an infrastructure company. What do you expect to make? Out yeah, of I mean, it's just... What do you make money on digging holes? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, although I, I did fancy the idea of SpaceX. I'm, I'm always, I always want to be a member of any club that wouldn't have me, and it's a, it's a private equity thing. Uh, you can't get exposure yeah. to it. So I thought that probably anything that won't let me invest in it's probably a better trade than the ones I do can invest in. Right. No, SpaceX has been a great investment for the private investors, and and I think it will be a good investment over time. And and but I don't see like SpaceX and Tesla as having any complementary reason to be together. Now, is there any interesting way of playing it that improves your risk reward? I mean, you're not interested in Tesla options, oh, like long calls, yeah, for example, yeah. or the converts or anything, because like, these are this is <laughs> expensive vol. Right? I want to talk about the converts this week. Oh my god, um, you know. I looked at the long calls too, you know, because I, I've made money doing that with Tesla in the past. And, you know, the volatility is so high in the markets now, the option deals suck. Yeah. You know, it's just you're better to sell calls than to buy calls. So so that trade, you know, doesn't appeal to me because the interest or the implied volatility is so high right now. I tend to like long calls and stocks that are relatively unvolatile where you can really get a great deal cutting your costs. So right now, I think the pure equity is the best way to play it. Um, you hold it and you don't have to worry about time because it's such a volatile stock. I think dollar cost averaging into Tesla makes sense because it's so volatile. So like if you were going to put 100,000 in a Tesla, I wouldn't just buy it today. I would buy, you know, 10,000 today, 10,000 next week. You know, it's going to move around and, and you want to buy the dips as we've been doing. And, and it's been a very profitable way to buy Tesla. Um, what levels have you been targeting when you when you buy the dip? What, 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 800. 800. If it's 800 or below, you know, that that's just, you know, you're getting into numbers that are, I think, very reasonable for the growth rate. So we look at the PEG ratio, you know, PE to growth mm -hmm. rate is, is really a simplistic way to look at valuation and one that we use. Um, I, I think a lot of people are scared by PEs, you know, oh, you're modeling a 75 PE. And I'm saying, well, that's the growth rate. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So a one, one PEG is fair for Tesla. You know, you look at stocks like Shopify, which I've owned for a long time and I've never owned a lot of because the valuation has always been absurdly high. It's never been cheap. And it's true. It's, it's no, but like I owned a little bit of it because it's such a great company. And then I made all this money off of it, which shocked me because I was like, it's like 400 PE and it just is still a 400 PE, you know? Yeah. And, um, 
And now it's finally getting hit, you know, it's finally, but I look at the PE still like 150 or 200 or whatever. I go a cheap spot. Shopify is still 200 PE. So, so for a Tesla, I think is a very good valuation. You know, you, you, I'd, I'd like to say you've convinced me. I just, I, you got to cover your short. Just don't, I, I will short. cover my short, but it won't be the first time I've covered my short in Tesla. I've covered my short in Tesla quite a few times. That's why I, why I still have a house. Well, we've we've cost people like fifty billion short Tesla, so you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so it's just a valuation thing and the idea of a tree's growing to the sky. But uh, yeah, but see, like, see, see, here's the mistake with your trade. Everything you're saying is true, but you're 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 betting on Superman. So again, Superman, you know, or God, as I was teasing you earlier, yeah. and and like. You can make that same argument about much worse companies. And so, like, the valuation is too high. Trees don't go to You can make the same argument about companies that are much worse off than Tesla, right? So I think you just need a better short. Yeah. No, I'm sure you're right. In fact, I've noticed that everyone – I've not met someone who didn't love their Tesla. So the product itself uh, is, 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 is loved. Um, and that's that's a lot of everything, isn't it? If people want to buy your product, it's, the odds are you've got a good chance of running a good company. Well, it's not just buying your product, and it's something that great brands do. And, and we see this with Nike as a perfect example, which is one of our holdings. And and I love this company. You know, no matter how how hard things get for Nike, people love Nike, right? And it's like supply chain issues, this and that. They beat their numbers because people are waiting out in lines in the snow to get a new shoe drop of Nike. And they built such a rabid fan base of people who are so into the brand, especially young people, that they can't lose. And, and that's what Tesla's done yeah. so well. You know, it's about young people. It's about being in the psyche of what's cool. And Tesla is cool. Elon is one of the most popular people in the world, 75 million followers. So they don't spend money on advertising. And he says this or that, and everybody goes nuts, right? So the the fan base around Tesla is insane. You know, I'm sort of, some people kind of look at me as like kind of one of the cult leaders, you know? And and I'm definitely very involved with many of the Tesla fans and enthusiasts and, and different Tesla groups uh, in each city. And these are wonderful people who want to make a difference in the environment. And, and they're passionate. And that's something that Tesla has that Microsoft does doesn't have, you know, <laughs> so like true. I use Xbox, I use Xbox, but very few people are like, Oh, Xbox is the best thing ever. Xbox is so great. You know, most of the time they're like, Oh, PS five is better. You know? So like Microsoft has a great product like Xbox, but you don't have any of the enthusiasm around the product. Like you would see a Tesla. You, you, or an you can't pretend you're helping to save the planet with an Xbox. Probably the opposite. Yeah. You can definitely get excited about gaming and there's, it's a great, box you know i don't yeah. know so uh, ross you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads go to lips now that's l-i-b-s-y-n-ads.com um if people would like to get to, to read more of your research, you know, see more of your thoughts, how would they do that? Well, you know, 
I'm on Twitter, so at KerberKawasaki.com is probably the best way to see my actual thoughts on a daily basis. I am one of the few investment managers who actually puts it out there. Um, because I have an ETF GK, all of my holdings are listed at advisorshares.com slash GK because uh, with an actively managed ETF, we have to list our holdings nightly. Mm -hmm. So if you want to follow what we're buying and selling and such, you can easily do that. You can reach us for financial advice at GerberKawasaki.com. So we provide financial planning advice, which I actually find to be more important actually than investment uh, returns because if you don't have a good plan and, you know, Maybe you have great returns, but you're not saving enough money, you know? So, uh, or maybe you're doing it in a place where you're paying too much taxes, things like that. So um, financial planning is also a big part of what we do. It's actually the main thing we do at Gerber Kawasaki along with investment management. Um, so you can reach us on our website, but if also um, if you just Google us or go to our YouTube page, we, we're in the media daily. Um, you know, we very, very much believe in transparency and not only what we believe in and what we do, but also in that we're trying to help the public. So whether you have your, your young person just, you know, starting and have no money and want to get started, we'll work with you. And, and if you have $50 million and you just sold your business, we'll work with you. So, so we've got programs for people of all wealth levels. And that's one of the things that makes us pretty unique in our industry. Ross, um, let me know when you're doing another gig. I'd love to come and see you. I'm a big blues fan. Uh, it'll, it'll great, be great. great. Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it, you know? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about COVID. I, I just, I just bought a whole load of life insurance. I don't, I don't have to worry about COVID. <laughs> so uh, fantastic. Um, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I appreciate the views in particular. Thank you for explaining what I got wrong. Um, and thank you for helping to try and get me out of the trade before I get well, carried you know, out I just, again. I, I want to help you, man. <laughs> you want to go along Tesla, you know, you, it's, it's, it's a lot of people, we have a lot of clients that are retired, sent their kids through college, you know, all this stuff because of Tesla. Yeah, bought, bought small islands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there'll be a lot more. Yeah. There'll be a lot more. So join the club. Thanks so much. You have have a great day. Enjoy, enjoy your yeah, evening. Thank you. you too. Thanks for having me. All right. That's a wrap on the next big trade. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, head over to realvision.com for financial insight you won't find anywhere else. podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads go to lipsandads.com now that's l-i-b-s-y-n ads.com